0: You are listening to an episode of Dope with Lime, a production of the Lillian E. Smith Center at Piedmont University. Each episode of Dope with Lime explores the life, work, and legacy of Lillian E. Smith. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and make sure to follow us on Twitter, at LES underscore center. Happy holidays from the Lillian E. Smith Center. I hope you and yours are having a great holiday season. And today, we just wanted to share with you a recent article that we published in our newsletter, our fall 2021 newsletter. You can access the full newsletter in the link below. But we want to share with you an article about Lillian Smith's Memory of a Large Christmas, a book that she published in 1962. The article is entitled The Lessons of Christmas. Lillian E. Smith published Memory of a Large Christmas in 1962. The book essentially is a collection of humorous and memorable anecdotes about the large, bountiful Smith family Christmases. In the back of the book, Smith includes recipes for turkey dressing, pork salad, ambrosia, and more. However, the book also contains insight into Smith's formative years and her focus on social justice, as well as humorous anecdotes about growing up with the Smith family's large Christmases. We see her focus on social justice and the story that Smith tells about her father, Calvin, in a Christmas dinner in 1918. Smith's family moved permanently to their summer home in Clayton, Georgia, in 1915, after their father's lumber and naval stores in Jasper, Florida, started to fail during World War I. Calvin presented the move to his family as a great adventure, and he left like an explorer setting out for an unknown continent. He told his family about the mountains and created a vivid image in their minds engaging them in the benefits of moving from the swamps of Jasper to the mountains of Clayton. By 1918, the war had caused the Smiths' financial status to dwindle, and they had to downsize. As Smith writes, We were not alone in being poor. Times were hard in the South, much harder for most than for us, our father often reminded us. That year, Calvin invited the chain gang that was working on the road down the mountain to have Christmas dinner with his family. Forty eight men were in the chain gang, and they were residing in two shabby red railroad cars. When Calvin approached the gang's foreman, the man asked if Calvin wanted to invite all the men to dinner, and Calvin replied, We couldn't hardly leave any of the boys out, could we? On Christmas Day, the forty eight men came to the house. The men were incarcerated for various crimes murder, rape, arson, bank robbery. Calvin greeted them on the porch read the Christmas story and invited them into the house. He mingled with each man, asking them about themselves and their families and telling them about his own. When the dinner was ready, Calvin asked one of, as Smith put it, the killers to go help his wife with the food. At that, two other men, one in for raping and another for robbing a bank, stood up to help. At this point, two of the guards approached the door to block the men's exit to the kitchen. Calvin responded to the guards, "The boys will be all right." The men went to the kitchen and returned with the pots and pans setting them on the serving table. After the men left, Calvin read a letter from his daughter in China and started to look over some books. This didn't last long, and he looked up at his children who were there and said, "We've been through some pretty hard times lately, and I've been proud of my family. Some folks can take prosperity and can't take poverty." Some can take being poor and lose their heads when money comes. I want my children to accept it all, the good and the bad, for that is what life is. It can't be wholly good, it won't be wholly bad. Those men, today, they've made mistakes, sure, but I have too. Bigger ones maybe than theirs, and you will. You're not likely to commit a crime, but you may become blind and refuse to see what you should look at, and that can be worse than a crime. Don't forget that. Never look down on a man. Never. If you can't look him straight in the eyes, then what's wrong is with you. The world is changing fast. Folks get hurt and make terrible mistakes at such times. But the one I hope you won't make is to cling to my generation's sins. You'll have plenty of your own, remember? Changing things is mighty risky, but not changing things is worse. That is, if you can think of something better to change to. Calvin's words remained with Smith. Throughout her life, she spoke up against injustice, being vocal about numerous issues. She looked at people as people, not as inferior. She recognized the past, specifically the mythologized Southern and American past, for what it was, a false narrative constructed to maintain white supremacy. She knew the world was changing, and she knew that if she did not change the things that needed to be changed, she would never be able to live with herself. These are the same ideas she conveyed to the campers when she directed Laurel Falls Camp from 1925 to 1948. Speaking with one of the campers in Killers of the Dream, Smith wrote, You have to remember, the trouble we are in started long ago. Your parents didn't make it, nor I. We were born into it. This is what Calvin told her. And she continues by pointing out that generations have become blind to the Jim Crow signs that sit above the doors. They find it hard to question what has been here since they were born. Smith continues to tell the young camper about the long history of racism in America, and at the end, the girl asks her, But how can a person like me do anything? No matter how wrong you think it is, laws are against you. Custom is against you. Your own family is against you. How do you begin? I guess if you hated your family, it would be easier to fight for what is right down here. It'd be easier if you didn't care how much you hurt them. The young girl's question is one that I think about a lot. Is it hate if you call out the white supremacist and racist actions of those you love? Or is it love? Is it an act of love that you want to educate those close to you about the systems that oppressed others, and possibly even themselves? Which is it? I would say it's the latter. If we don't speak out or act, then we just perpetuate these things. And that perpetuation continues the cycle over and over and over and over. Calvin saw the white and black men in the chain gang for what they were, men and individuals. He treated them, no matter their skin color or sentences, as men. He listened to them. He treated them as people, not looking down at them, but looking them in the eye. If we don't speak up, then we are not looking those close to us in the eyes. We are not looking at them at all. We're erecting walls between us. Thank you for listening. It's the end of the year, and here at the Lillian E. Smith Center, we are working on various projects to further Lillian E. Smith's legacy through the creation of outdoor learning spaces to the construction and implementation of educational programs for educators and for students here at the center. If you would like to help us support these programs through your end-of-year donations, you can do so by visiting www.piedmont.edu backslash giving-LES-Center. Here's wishing you and yours a happy holiday season. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dope with Lime. Did you enjoy this episode? Have thoughts? Use the hashtag #DopeWithLime on social media, or get in touch with us at LESCenter at Piedmont.edu. You can learn more about living at East Smith and the center by visiting www.piedmont.edu/les.